Right, we'll just have a little rehydration break. Yep. That's good. Water. There's nothing like tap water, is oh, there? Nothing. In, in Yorkshire, not in <laughs> other places. In well, Lond I don't mind it in London, to be honest. No, it's well gross. When I stayed at Martha, Martha's my sister, her house... Are you telling me that Martha's No, I'm telling the people. Well, well, this is just the level check. You don't tell the people anything, really. Yeah, no, but in case you wanted to put this in. Yes, well, you never know. I might. And um, the water's gross, huh? Chemically. Yeah. So we're ready to start. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've, although I've, maybe I've just got used to it, but um, I don't notice the difference that much. Although, I was surprised. So yesterday I went shopping for Leeds Fest things, mm. um, like foods, like pot noodles and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> What will make you, Mike? Were you, were you looking for food or were you looking for pot noodles? <laughs> no, we're getting like pot noodles and you know those pasta sachets and mm. stuff. Um, and we were getting like water because um, I'm sure it's absolutely fine, but I've heard star horror stories of people saying that they've got um, ill from the water mm. because it gets contaminated oh, yeah. um, and get like diarrhea and stuff. And also, also, just it's quite far to walk to get the water in anyway. It's so, possible you could get ill from all the pot noodles as <laughs> opposed to the water. Um, and so I was getting those big, like big bottles of water, mm. and it was only forty five p for a big bottle of water. And I was like, I might as well start bathing in mineral water for this price. <laughs> there you go, first world problem. I might start bathing in mineral water. Um, are we ready? Seems we own man brand mineral water oh. mine because. Evian mineral water was the original we picked up, but then we mm. swiftly put that down. Yeah, good for you. Uh, should we? Are you ready to go? Yeah, that was the that was the preamble. It certainly was. And your challenge now is to spot the difference between the preamble <laughs> and the actual. Podcast. I want to bring back the quirky preamble. I miss yeah. it. It's Ruthie, me and my dad, number twenty-five. As you've just uh, indicated, Ruth, you're off to uh, Leeds Fest uh, next weekend. So we'll uh, be doing it just before I leave. We will. And uh, which which ones? Uh, who are you going to see there? Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Travis Scott. Mm. Kate Nash is there. That's mm. exciting. Dua Lipa's there. You oh, like Dua, Dua Lipa, Lipa, don't you? Post Malone. Mm. Oh, well, um, we heard Post Malone on the uh, on the podcast. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the ones. With, oh, Let's Eat Grandma and Brockhampton, who've been in the two previous weeks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a buggy with the hoodie, who we've heard on the podcast as well. Excellent. And you you've bought uh, loads of uh, water and pot noodles, and but no actual food as such. Crackers. Crackers, right. Crisps. We've got some sarine banana breads. Yeah. Well, that'll be a little bit of... Health um, foods. Now, um, I'm wondering if this particularly exercises you at all. Authenticity in movie casting. Um, and I'm just wondering, because for me, I couldn't really be bothered that much. It's Jack Whitehall, who's getting a lot of uh, heat on social media at the moment, because he's playing an openly gay bloke in a Disney movie. Uh, apparently the first major openly gay character mm -hmm. in a Disney film. Although I have my suspicions about Bambi. Uh, <laughs> this film's uh, called Jungle Cruise, and it's got Dwayne Johnson... I don't know it, surprisingly. <laughs> well, it's got Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt... Jack Whitehall's going to play the brother of Emily Blunt's character. 
And according to a report in The Sun, uh, he's playing a gay man, one who is hugely effete, very camp and very funny. But a lot of social media people have said... Ah, the social media people. The social media people are complaining because Scarlett Johansson uh, withdrew from her role as a trans man in this film called Rub and Tug. And they say, well, if she can't play a trans man, why can Jack Whitehall, as a heterosexual actor, play a homosexual? And then there was another row about uh, West Side Story. Sierra Bogues, 36, uh, who's a a white actress, uh, she's apologised for having accepted the role. She's withdrawn from that because Mm -hmm. they say it should be a Latino playing the uh, role of Maria in West Side Story. Although, in the movie, of course, it was Natalie Wood five years ago. That there is a line between, like, race and sort of sexuality. Right. So, like, in Call Me By Your Name, mm-hmm. which was praised so much, and, like, I think, I'm pretty sure that, like, LGBT communities absolutely loved that film and stuff, but both Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet are both straight, and no one seemed to really have a problem with it. No. I think they just need... I, I'm not annoyed with people having a problem with stuff. I would just like everyone to take a clear line deciding who it's okay to do something. So your line, as I understand it, is a race. So straight people can play gay people, gay people can play straight people, trans, ordinary people can play I don't know about people. the trans people thing, because it's just like there's not that many trans p- parts for trans actors and there's not that many trans stories. So the stories and the parts should go to the people who really understand yeah. it. So what's your line? Your line is uh, gay, straight, not it, a problem, trans, a bit of a problem, think, the jury's out, but uh, as far as Latinos go, playing... Oh, Maria, I think when it comes to race, the person who is that race should play that character. And there's f- enough Latina actors. It, it, seems, it sounds to me as though we're saying, let's see what happens, wait for the fuss, and if there's a fuss, then we'll change the... Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, you could normally... It would normally the casting would slip through. It depends how big the film is. Call me by your name. Was like a little indie ma- film yeah, for a really a long time. So it, it, what we're mm-hmm. saying really is there's no definite rule. Yeah. Uh, this absolutely mystifies me. I can't understand the continuing appeal of the program Friends. Oh, um, I love Friends. I know you love. I Friends. I was talking about this just the other day with my best friend and we were talking about it and we were just saying I don't understand how no, how you can't find it funny it's so funny well you say that it's so funny I, I, don't, I don't find it funny at all I laugh you, at most oh, things you, you don't find it funny because you choose to not find it funny no I don't find it funny because it's all very predictable you know it's da-dum 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 here comes the punchline. No, oh. and, and you know, switch up the uh, the volume. Yeah, give me a loud guffaw there with a little bit of uh, a little bit of a titter in the background. You know, you can tell it's it, it just seems very fake to me. But you know, maybe I'm wrong. It's very rarely. I'm, yeah, I think you are. Uh, according to uh, a latest poll, it's the most streamed program in Britain. Ofcom poll, 2,500 people. Friends clocked at the highest number. It was ahead of the Jeremy Clarkson thing, the Grand Tour. It was ahead of The Crown, which surprised me. Um, no, that doesn't surprise me because it's... I wouldn't... I would say it's the most streamed programme, but it's not the most watched programme. Because Friends is something that you can put on in the background while you're getting ready or... <laughs> It's a background noise. The last episode of Friends was produced in 2004 when you were... Four. 
four years old. Depends what time of year. So Yes. So you were four years old when the last... And yet yourself and Absolutely people... Absolutely love it. Quirt along with friends. I know. That's because you watch it so much, because it's been mm. on TV so much. I'm wondering why people are streaming it when it's been on TV for years and years. like... A lot of people that, you know, when I move out of our house, mm. I probably won't even get a TV. And when you move out There's of no our need. house, I can guarantee you, you won't be living with uh, four other people or how many people live in their flat in New York in Central Park, whatever it's called. One. Rachel and Monica, yeah. this is like at the beginning, Rachel and Monica live together and Chandler and Joey live together. All oh, right, so they're friends in a couple of different flats. So and they're in I different they flats. And then Ross has a separate flat and Phoebe has a separate flat. All oh, right, I thought they all lived in a flat together. No! They but they're all you can't it. say that it's not funny because you clearly have barely watched it. I know, I've watched some of it. I mean, I've been aware it's been around. God. It's sort of been around in the atmosphere, you know, like, like flies in the summer. This conspiracy theory that you've been... Um, oh, my gosh, that's been... I got this weeks ago. Well, this story's been, it's not made the cut yet, so let's see if it makes <laughs> Episode 16. Let's see it? if it makes the cut this week. So I've got a conspiracy theory about 23andMe. Have you heard of 23andMe? No, I haven't. It's like one of those companies where they send you a tube and you spit in the tube and then you send it off and they tell oh, you what nationality you are. And DNA. DNA, because there's 23 types of DNA or something. Mm. So they cut your saliva. This person says they store the DNA after you send it they don't send you it back and ah. they just keep it so they store all this DNA loads and loads and loads of stuff and someone was like are they storing it for future purposes and they so they talk about this Australian breakthrough not so long ago in science about how to age backwards but they to be able to do this they, they'd need DNA from your youth so where would they get your DNA 23andMe or Ancestry or any of these various different things and then she says now let's go back a bit I forgot to mention that Google had invested 3.9 million in 23andMe and Google is known for storing loads of data. Your whole life is on Google. And the woman who founded 23andMe is the same woman who married the guy who founded Google. Wow. Exactly. Also, the CEO of YouTube is the sister of the 23andMe founder. So basically your whole, within this one family. Who founded Google? Was that? Larry um, Page. Maybe. I don't remember his name. I don't, God, I don't even know. Probably the person who's affected your life more than anyone. Google and the family who own Google owns all of you. They know your health and nationality, what you're into, all your interests and stuff. So this Australian breakthrough in science. So Google is really famous for thinking ahead and are really yeah, good yeah. at predicting stuff. So Google could partner with 23 this and me. 23andMe and they're the ones with the frozen... DNA. DNA. They could call you 50 years later and offer you your old DNA for a large sum of money. Why and then, would you want to buy your old DNA? So then, for, no, for this for this backward ageing process thing. Oh, you mean so that you could become young again? So you could become young again. Scary. If you're sending them your young DNA, right, so you're sending them DNA when you're 19, right? And then mm-hmm. when you're 69, you want to become 19 again. Would you? I don't know the science behind it. No, that's but clear. this is this. But this is this Australian science thing. But they're not going to tell you. Oh, this is exactly how you do it. And then it goes on to say that Twenty Three and Me targets younger viewers by sponsoring YouTube stars like Joey Grisetta yeah. and Tyler Because I've never heard Oakley. of Twenty Three and Me until you mentioned it. I've heard of Ancestry and some of those but other people. Twenty Three and Me are the ones that have you seen the BuzzFeed do videos where it's like finding out our DNA, what's our nationality and stuff, and BuzzFeed are 
really targeted towards young people so mostly younger people watch them and are the perfect candidates for the, this experiment and so, so I think that, that you would be able to you would be able to use someone else's DNA to make you younger. But still, regardless of the conspiracy theory, which is I think a little bit wild, a little bit, wild. a little bit wild. It's very wacky. But the idea that someone who owns Google also owns your DNA, so they've got your DNA exactly where you're from. Like, imagine if they had all your health records, all your nationalities from so far back in the past. That would make like a mass genocide so easy well we'd like your views on this ladies and gentlemen yeah if anyone knows also, anything about also, science yeah if anybody knows anything about science because clearly neither of us know anything about science let me I, I would be interested to, you know i think it's an interesting debate is it you know is it a wise thing to send your dna off? Or also uh, if anyone's tried it because i'm sure that someone probably yeah. has because it is intriguing like I've, i have watched the videos and stuff as I was saying, we would like to hear from people. Oh, yes. Uh, we, we would like to hear from people who, you know, can maybe tell us more about the science and whether it's wise to send your DNA off. But we'd also like to hear from people who can explain to me what this uh, thing with friends is. Why everybody No, because I know friends. what's going to happen if you ask. Because our audience, not that I know this factually, no. but are more gearing towards your age than my age. And I just know that I everyone will send... I both, to be honest, s- and in between Not true, well. not true. The people who send the emails, though. Probably more my... Uh, and I don't want it to all come up with, oh, yeah, it's just stupid y- young people. They don't know what's funny. Faulty Towers. <laughs> <laughs> Faulty Towers was good, I have to say. It's not, I've watched it, and it's not funny. What, I don't get what's going on. Well, you've got to watch a couple of episodes, maybe. Faulty Towers is funny. You know, Faulty Towers is guaranteed funny. No, how is Faulty Towers is no more guaranteed funny than Friends is. It is because it is it because a, because it was a one-off and they only did twelve episodes. And uh, as soon as it stopped, being that funny. No, what happened was as soon as it stopped being funny, so it was slightly less funny. They so they only managed twelve Whereas episodes. Friends, they they just kept cranking them out, the same formula week after week after week. Uh, if you're a fan of Friends, let us know. If you're a fan of science, let us know. And uh, if you want to let us know about these things, it's Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail.com. So Martin and Ruth, all one word, obviously Martin and Ruth Podcast or one word, at gmail.com. So, it was more of a kind of a question and stuff that I've been mulling over for a while. So I saw someone tweeted, this was ages ago, who was about my age, maybe a little bit older, just saying that it's the first time, she's a Jew, and it was the first time living in England that she'd ever felt any kind of anti-Semitism or any feelings actually towards being Jewish because it was kind of around the time when all the Labour stuff first Mm. came out and things. And then someone, I was looking through Twitter again and someone said, was talking about the anti-Semitism row and things that she'd experienced on watching a video of a US commentator defending an Israeli atrocity, well, America loves the Jews anyway, was something that someone said. And she said, um, she suggested Claudia Rosen's Jewish cookbook for someone's mum who loves Middle Eastern food. And the the son or the daughter replied, no, she wouldn't, won't want that. She supports Palestine and sort of, <laughs> people who are pro-Palestine being anti-Jew, mm. asking if Reggie Jets' comments about fat Jewish music managers were really that bad. Someone saying Jews weren't really a minority, even though, like you said... It's 300,000. 3% the of the UK, yeah. Would it be slightly more than 3% or less? I don't know. There's 300,000 Jews well, in the UK. It makes up slightly in, less than 3% of the UK. Yeah, in a I've population got. of, what, 60 million? Yeah, so tiny, tiny population. Tiny yeah. 
but it's way, way below three percent. But well represented within arts or music. Mm. I don't know how you, what you would say to that. Well, and me, so she was me. kind of talking about that and talking about how no one wishes people a happy Hanukkah, but they wished people Eid Mubarak. Mubarak I don't know how to say Eid, it. Eid Mubarak, yeah. Which is a, and she was saying it's a great thing to do that. But if you're going to do it for one religion, which are actually less of a minority, then you should do it for the others. Um, And she spoke about that, and she just said that anti-Semitism is ingrained in the population of the UK and in the world as a whole. Yeah, I think think there's a... Yeah, I mean, historically, definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely. But having said all that, I'm, as a person of Jew... Because uh, you know, you're like a person of colour, I'm a person of Jew. I would say that Eve Mubarak, fine, because the the, uh, the Asian tradition now, the Muslim tradition, is really part of the mainstream. Yeah, Therefore, yeah. Therefore, yeah. I'm not surprised people would go and say Eve Mubarak, even from a you know from a business point of view, you know, their customers are more likely to be Asians than they are to be Jews, simply because there aren't that many Jews in Britain at no, all. No, you know. less than three uh, percent, like yeah, we said. Well, way less than three percent. I can't work out. That. Also, get in touch with us if you can work out percentages because 300,000 out of 60 million is mm-hmm. nothing like 3%. Again, maths and sciences, not our strong suit. Not our strong suit at all. Um, it also, I've seen people talk about like Corbyn and Labour and anti-Semitism and like, I was just wondering, I know you don't think that Corbyn is like a threat to Jews, of course not, not but do you think that Labour are anti-Semitic? I think the only, the problem with the Labour Party is uh, Jeremy Corbyn has been obsessed with Israel and with Ireland, Irish Republicanism. Those are his two issues. Those are his things. And he's been obsessed with them for years and years to the exclusion of all else. Yeah. And therefore, what what's happened... And that's fine. Those are his issues. Those are his things. He was on the back benches. And the two issues that he got involved in regularly were Irish Republicanism and free freedom for the for the Palestinians in yeah. uh, in Israel. Not that you um, can't beat both Jewish and pro Palestine. Yeah, absolutely. You look at some of the actions of the Israeli government, and you're horrified. And I do, do think, think that a lot of the uh, sort of Jews who are saying, "Oh, I'm frightened. I'm getting out of the country," and all that sort of thing. Oh, being, being I think that's stupid. Yeah, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this as half Jewish. Jews have like every right to kind of overreact, being like almost wiped out a generation ago. Do you know what I mean? Well, there is that. The problem with with 20th century history, and everybody, a lot of people have said this, is that everything is seen, and even you know now, 21st century mm-hmm. history, everything is seen through the prism of the Nazis because it's the single most uh, cataclysmic event. Of yeah. The, even though you look at the First World War and then you look at Stalinist purges, and you know, in pure numerical terms, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the systematic approach that you took so, as well. It's the systematic approach. It's the featuring your movies and all that. So. Mm people find it difficult to discuss anything yeah and that was a bit um was it the iraq war when everyone said we've got to get involved we you know we we've got we made a stance against the nazis we made a stance against fascist governments we've got to do it again and that's kind of the worry is that we're too quick to get into wars because we worry so much that it's another second world war I think it's time we lightened it up a wee bit. With some... Um, we've, we've got our, our standard bit where we talk about the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. most, most weeks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> our standard Nazi spot. Nazi so spot. Let's, um, let's lighten it up with our music choices. Uh, we'll start with mine, I think, this week. Stop your running about It's time you straighten right out 
Shame we can only play 20 seconds uh, of that. That The only reason I played that was you did say, we were listening to something in the car, and I can't remember what it was, and you said you got a bit of a blind spot about ska. There were two big peaks for sort of ska music. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was in the uh, in the early 60s when uh, that was a hit. It was a it was a hit for that uh, da- was a small hit for a guy called Dandy Livingston. It's been taken it was taken up by the mods in we've, we've talked about mods and rockers. Mods and rockers. Yeah, yeah. and the mods loved ska in uh, sort of 1964 65 uh, and then it came back with the specials and madness and all that in the uh, 1970s. So uh, there you are a little bit of an education about Scar? Oh my gosh, now I'm just an expert. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of Scar albums. And I, can, you know, I don't really like it that much. Don't you? But it, it, the, the sort of Scar and reggae have influenced loads of other people like Steely Dan and various other bands. Well, maybe we'll do Steely Dan next week. Oh, please, let's. Yeah. Go on then. What, so what this playing? is mine. A departure from rap and hip-hop mm-hmm. and to a more classic indie boy band. Brilliant. Guys with guitars. Let's hear them. I will help you swim, I'm gonna help you swim. This is for the snakes and the people they bite, for the friends I've made, for the sleepless nights, for the warning signs I've completely ignored. There's an amount to take, reasons to take more. Well, that's called uh, Twin Size Mattress. And it by the front bottoms. Oh, do we? I was see. I was going to say that. I was going to say, do we call them the front bottoms or just front bottoms? The front bottoms. The, the front bottoms. Lovely name. Yeah. So that's about as classic guys with guitars as you can get, really. Yeah. Are they young people? Yeah. Ish. They're an American. Oh, they're American. Yeah, they're yeah. an American indie rock band, originating in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Lovely, Joycey. Joycey, and that's all I really have got about them. They're not. Have they had a hit with that? Is that a hit, Twin Size? Yeah, I mean, nothing that they've ever done is top 40. That has about 4 million views on YouTube. Right. So, so they're you... big, but not huge, yeah. really. So you sort of uh, judge people these days. No, the way I judge people on how big they are is how many listens they have on Spotify. But they don't get much money from Spotify. In fact, yeah. it's nobody gets much money from anything in terms of recording. Um, no, you have to go on tours and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and play. Those. And they're at Leeds Fest. Oh, they're Leeds Fest. Yeah, because I didn't know them until like. Well, I didn't know them, but I've not listened to them until like a few weeks ago. And then um, my friend, who I'm going to Leeds Fest with, said, "Oh, you need to listen to the Front Bottoms before we go." So. Oh, and the good news about the Leeds Fest is that there will be trucks there selling uh, halloumi cheese. Oh yeah, departure from meat. Uh, in our lighter things, halloumi, falafel, even salads. So you'll be fine. You will be all halloumi- halloumied up. Health. Well, normally as a... It's too expensive though to eat there. Yeah, they are. It's so expensive. It's like probably like £12 a meal or something like that. And then drinks are like... It's like £3 for a bottle of water. Really? It's ridiculous. At Glastonbury, I think I saw I saw someone post so a picture. Po- you were there for four days, yeah? Or three three nights? Four, four days. Now, I don't think anyone will be able to help me out with this. There's an artist called Wretch. I was talking about this again uh, with some of my friends. There's an artist called Wretch32. 
and I Wretch three two. So like Wretch thirty two. But I don't know whether it's Wretch thirty two or Wretch three two, and I don't want to say it in front of someone and then get the piss taken oh. out of me. Oh, you don't want that. Absolutely would be embarrassing, not. wouldn't it? It would be extremely embarrassing. So is it Wretch three two or Wretch thirty two? Of course, what we'll get is emails from people saying it's re- just writing it out Wretch three because you can't really say. Yeah, you know, you have to say Wretch yeah. thirty two. Yeah, mm. in like letters. Yeah. And I'm still at the back of my head wondering if by the end of the podcast I'll be able to work out what, what percentage 3% of 60 million, 300,000 is. You've been uh, watching Made in Chelsea, have you? Or I you? have, of course. Right. Can you give us a sort of brief summary of what's yeah. been going on? The main character. So they're in Croatia. I don't know whether you knew this. Yes, you've told us that before. So I just was making sure that everyone knew that this is their summer season and they're in Croatia. So popular. So, the most popular spot in Europe now for holidays, Croatia. Yeah. Mm. I talked to you a little bit about Sam and Habs last week, last mm. week um, and just saying that they'd gone on separate like girls and lads holidays and Sam said he hadn't got with anyone in Las Vegas. But he actually had. And not only had he got with someone, but he'd slept with two different girls. Ugh, yes. And so... Harry Barron was sworn to secrecy by Sam but Harry Barron told his girlfriend Melissa who's best friends with Habs and so then they had this dinner party and it all came out and there was drinks thrown and stuff then Sam says yeah but what about Harry where did he go for the same girl for an hour and then this is the whole thing is did Harry Barron do something with this girl which I'm not sure I don't know Okay, fair enough. So that's, that's a sort of like Love Island, same sort of thing. Going well, on, kind you know. of, but it's well, it not. sounds like it. It's people talking about who's cracked on with somebody else. Yeah, but it's not in front of your eyes that you see them no. crack on. Yeah, it is different, but it's the same sort of cracking on scenario. Yeah, it's the same like... the way I'm into all the, you know, cracking on now? The gossip. The gossip, yeah. I know you watch a lot of uh, stuff on the TV that could roughly be called uh, period pieces, nostalgia. Yeah, I love a period drama. I know you do. I've I've been having a bit of a Pride and Prejudice moment. I watched Mm. the film, the Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden one, and then I um, watched the six-hour-long, seven-hour-long series... Let me quote to you from uh, a piece written by Max Hastings in the in the Times, uh, the headline of which is "Stop Hankering for the Fantasy of a Golden Age," and he's talked about some enthusiasts for Poldark, Jane Austen, Miss Marple, and Call the Midwife, fantasise that it might be jollier to live in one of those eras. Yet the rural world of Jane Austen and her characters was stultifyingly dreary, formal, confining. In more recent times, despite rising incomes, the 50s were pretty wretched. A sense of anticlimax of having won the war but lost the empire suffused the country. So he'll be talking about things like uh, Call the Midwife, mm-hmm. which yeah, is yeah. set in the late 50s. Any of these 60s. things in the 50s. Yeah. I'm wondering whether when you watch those things, or even when you, you hear me going about the Beatles in the 60s and things, I first mentioned the Beatles, by the way, whether you sort yeah. of hang it and think, oh, God, I wish I was alive in Call yeah, the Midwife times or wartime or Beatles times. Yeah. There's always a piece of that though for of nostalgia and looking back and thinking, oh gosh, I was born in the wrong era. Like the music isn't as good now. The you know it's was so much simpler in terms of like dating and all that kind of stuff. And look, watching Pride and Prejudice and thinking how romantic it is and you know how great it is to wander around in those dresses and stuff. <laughs> but unless there's there's also an argument to be made that unless you were a rich white straight man there's really no era that you would ever prefer to live in than the present day i think the best time to live in would probably be about 10 years ago before the rise of social media and stuff maybe 
But that's um, a good point, actually. So <laughs> the best time, I think, the best time would be just before the internet took off in a big way. Yeah. Because um, you're, you're talking about Google now. But then people also forget the joys of modern antibiotics. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like diseases yeah, just killed had, people. Sort of. By about the mid nineties. Oh I yeah. Think most of those, you know, the problems with the, the medical problems had been sort of solved. All right, you mm. know. Cancer was still a big thing, but of course it's even still a big thing. I mean, yeah, the, the yeah. treatments are better now than they were, say, uh, 30 years ago. There's always but, going to be something that kills people, though. Yes, so of course that's... there is. In that period, before the internet grew as huge, mm. grew to be the monster that it is, you know, we've already talked about Google owning us, more or less, and now yeah. wanting our DNA as well. Um, yeah, I would have definitely... I think there's a couple of areas of my life that I would have liked to live in a different time in. I think one the sort of pressures of social media and the pressure to look a certain mm. way and stuff like that which would have been like the 90s-ish would have been nice I but also so. like how dating has become like it's like a point-based system mm. and nothing is really so natural anymore and you've got to do the whole like snapchatting and in that way I would but then there's also a lot of things that like I like being able to get on a train and go down to London really quickly do you know what I mean not that you I like do that very often at all on your, on your phone, exactly like and like stuff there is things that are great about a modern world and having a phone in your pocket and stuff. But then, I mean, if you've seen Midnight in Paris, the Woody Allen film, he talks about how no matter what era you live in, you're always yearning for another time. So he goes back to the 1920s to F. Scott Fitzgerald and T.S. Eliot and he's just in wishes he was from this time. And then they're longing to be... In Renaissance, in the Renaissance period and stuff, That's and really so it's just, true, yeah. it's just you probably when long was to growing, be in the nineteen forties or no? I'm not. Do you know this is absolutely true? When I was growing up, and I would see movies set in the fifties, the Eisenhower era in the United States, and I'd see you know because we still had uh, austerity here, and I would see uh, sitcoms from America, and you'd see they were living through an era of great plenty, Eisenhower and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and they had uh, you know milkshakes, they, you know they had coffee bars and jukeboxes, mm-hmm. and they had those cars cars are fantastic cars i want to have been born in america in the 1940s so i could yeah. be a teenager in america in the 1950s that's so i hankered back yeah, yeah. and, that, and well, it, i mean true. the whole the really so the true. second world war was built on hitler allowing the germ the german people to imagine what it would have been like if they could get back to that time when they were with so so much in the 1920s if you've seen or read the book testament of youth the vera britain thing which is heralded as like the voice of a generation of Mm. wartime and stuff first world war then it takes the very like romanticization of world of war and but it's the idea that there is no scope for greatness anymore because all the original thoughts have already been done kind of wartime gave people an opportunity to become the heroes that that they've been made out to be although they may not have been those heroes at all but you wonder or at least i do as being like 17 in the 2000s has every thought already been had then there are some things that are just as exciting and just as romantic or something. I saw someone some on Instagram or Twitter or something who said along the lines of getting a text from someone you really like is just the same as getting a letter. It's the same feeling, yeah. but we romanticise the idea of a letter so much more. At the roots of it, 
getting a ding of a text message is just the same feeling and it's the same feeling that people have been having since the 1910s or the 1800s or whatever well, well you say the same feeling people have been since the 1800s but I've never seen a drama from the 1800s <laughs> yeah, yeah, gets yeah. a ding oh a text from Mr Darcy so let's finish with meme of the week okay I'm not sure you're going to find this one very funny but I thought it was really funny my perfect date we meet at a gala. I am wearing a black gown and you're dressed in a tuxedo. After we dance, you leave suddenly. I follow you outside. You've stolen the Declaration of Independence. You're Nicholas Cage. This is National Treasure. <laughs> yeah, Have you seen National Treasure? Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, I just think it's such a good film. I just love it. All when right. he does the lemon on the back of the... He does the lemon on the back of the... The Declaration of Independence because it's got a treasure map on it. Then in the second one in National Treasure 2, they go to the City of Gold. And oh, he puts his hand in the rock. Anyway... Anyway, well, thank you very much. Maybe No, 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 sorry. That is the first National Treasure. Apologies. Apologies to National Treasure fans. That will uh, do it for this week. We're not sacking it off anymore because we did get a complaint. Don't forget to... Just this is housekeeping now. Oh, I never read... We did get some uh, emails. Should I just uh, have a look and see if there's anything no, interesting I in the emails? It's... Or do you think we should I do... Think, I just think that's probably enough. We're not sacking it off anymore, but we need to find a way to finish. Well, we can just say goodbye and join us next week. <laughs> yes, goodbye and join us next week for episode 26. And thank you very much. Half for- a year? Half a year. And thank you very much indeed for listening. And you said you were no good at maths. <laughs>